0: Welcome to For the Record with Daniel Fontaine, where we focus on civic and urban issues impacting New Westminster and beyond. For the Record puts it on the record, when and where it counts. Now let's begin. On the podcast today, we have an amazing lineup for you. I have two wonderful guests that are going to be joining me on the podcast today. The first is Philip. Philip, uh, for those of you who watch The Price is Right or local news media will know, is now kind of synonymous with The Price is Right and New Westminster. And Philip came to New Westminster last week, had an opportunity, courtesy of Tourism, New Westminster to visit our city, take a look at the great things that we have to offer. And I thought it was a great opportunity for me to contact Philip now that he's back home in Arizona and find out how... That failed attempt at winning a trip to New Westminster on the Price is Right turned into a lot of fame, a lot of promotion for the city of New Westminster, and we're going to find out from Philip whether or not he's planning on coming back to the city at some point soon, and you might be surprised with his response. We're also going to have on the podcast today a fellow by the name of Mr. Alan DeGenova. Mr. DeGenova is a well-known figure in the community of New Westminster because he's linked with Honour House. Uh, Mr. Genova is a five-term Vancouver Park Board Commissioner. He's uh, helped save Nat Bailey Stadium. He's advocated for affordable housing, restoring Victory Square. He's done a lot in the community and uh, we invited uh, Mr. De Genova to the podcast today. We're going to talk a little bit about Honour House and Honour Ranch, how they actually uh, got that uh, project off the ground and how it almost never ended up coming to New Westminster, as well as what role former Mayor Wayne Wright played in getting Honour House here in the community. And we all know um, that Honour House is a huge support for our first responders, including New Fire, police, uh, a, a number of first responders who who use Honour House uh, when um, they are required to do so. Primarily, um Due to injuries or illness uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the podcast. But first, uh, I'm going to just talk a little bit about council over the last week um, because the last official council meeting of 2023 took place. It was a jam-packed council meeting and also an afternoon workshop. First, the workshop, we, we talked about our budget process and we went through a couple of hours of work. In terms of going through line item by line item on the budget. And there were three scenarios presented to us by city staff. And um, at the end of the day, it looked like the majority of council was going to support um, scenario B, which was a 6.8% record uh, tax increase at the city of New Westminster. And that uh, proposal was on the table for discussion along with a couple of other proposals, which would have Brought taxes down just a little bit, or increase them just ever so slightly. So, we had a, a very long discussion about that. And at the end of the day, I, I moved forward an amendment and brought forward um, the ad, ad, ad additional seven full-time equivalents into the budget uh, for a scenario B, which was that six point eight percent tax increase. I moved a motion to bring that forward, just because it was very clear to me, and I think it's clear to the community how important our first responders are in particular our fire department in terms of um, being on the front line of climate change and having to respond to things like heat domes etc and we we know that the fire department do a lot of work and are impacted by by climate change and so i moved a proposal to accelerate the hiring of additional uh, uh, fire uh, suppression staff uh, at the uh, fire department and that was approved as one of the first steps in the budget process and then i further asked that um, uh, that some of the funding from our climate action levy be used to offset uh, the cost related to, for example, uh, the extra fire uh, department staff that we'd be hiring. So we have a about forty million dollars in the city of New Westminster in a climate action uh, fund. Which, uh, to my understanding, uh, so far we we haven't expended any funds. I tried confirming that, but wasn't able to do that during the budget process. But Uh, For all intents and purposes, we have about $40 million in that fund. So what I asked is that we uh, cap the tax increase next year to 4.8%, which would mean that it would not be a record um, tax increase again uh, for the second year in a row, and that we use some of the Climate Action Fund uh, at least in the next year to cover off and offset some of those additional uh, tax burdens to residents to making sure that um, we keep the city as livable and as affordable as possible. Uh, That motion did not get approved. So that did uh, go down to defeat and at the end of the day, um, it looks like uh, what we're likely going to come back now is with a a just under 8% uh, property tax increase for next year, something for which um, I I did not support. I voted against, as did Councillor Minhas. We both voted against that, but we're very much in support of um, our fire department staff and accelerating the hiring of the fire department staff, and also, uh, as I said, using some of the funds from the Climate Action Reserve Fund, which is um, again close to forty million dollars sitting in that account uh, over the last few years, and it continues to grow. By the way, the um, the uh, uh, fund grows at approximately six to seven million dollars, if I remember correctly, uh, per year. So it, it, it that in part is due to some carbon credits and that we sell every year, as well as um, uh, the additional climate action levy on our electrical utility bills. So if you live in New Westminster, every month you're charged an extra three point five percent. If you live in Burnaby, that doesn't get tacked on or Coquitlam, but if you live in New West we charge you effectively a tax or a levy of 3.5%. That generates $2 million every year. um, And that goes into this Climate Action Reserve Fund. So nonetheless, it looks like we're going to get a budget coming back at about 8% uh, for next year, but lots more work to do on the budget. Nothing's been finalized. Everything is still very much up in the air in terms of uh, what the final budget would look like. So there'll be more debate and more deliberation to go on that. Also, we talked about lawn signs, uh, election lawn signs. I tried to uh, bring a forward uh, motion to look at allowing um, election uh, or electoral organizations the ability to bring uh, four by four lawn signs back, those larger signs. Um, That got defeated four to three. Uh, Councillor McAvoy and myself and and Councillor Minhas voted uh, in favor and the rest of the council voted um, in opposition so it was defeated four to three but there was another part of that motion that I asked that um, uh, just to help increase awareness around elections that we increase the time that lawn signs can actually be uh, in the ground yeah they will be the smaller ones but they'll be in the ground and so that did get passed and they'll be now an extension beyond the simple just three weeks that you had, um, to put lawn signs in before the election. And that will extend, um, I think it's almost doubling the amount of time that, um, that we'll be able to see, uh, lawn signs on the, uh, lawns of, of residents who want them on their private property and who wish to express their own political, um, interest one way or another. So that was a good, um, that was a good, uh, win that that got approved. I also, council this week brought forward a motion to look at, um, Electing our Metro Vancouver representatives, um, a lot of people don't know, but the Metro Vancouver uh, board spends approximately $2.6 billion, billion billion with a B, and that $2.6 billion is raised through uh, uh, property taxes and revenues that are generated throughout our region and uh, but you can't vote you can't vote and elect anyone um, in the metro vancouver board they're all appointed by the various municipalities so i brought it forward a motion asking that in 2026 that there be a referendum on this so we could determine um, if the public is interested in wanting to elect metro vancouver directors and i'm pleased to say that uh, while the motion was amended slightly um, it did get a few changes that actually i think strengthened the motion um, it did pass. And so it looks like um, there's a letter going off to the Minister of Municipal Affairs asking that they conduct a public consultation now on this uh, with the aim or goal of trying to see if we can get a, a referendum uh, ballot question in 2026. As well, um, the motion was amended to include that the uh, the Mayor's Committee of Metro Vancouver also be advised and apprised of our interest in, in doing some internal governance review. So that also was uh, sent through so that was good to see. I did try to bring a motion forward to temporarily eliminate that 3.5 percent climate action tax or levy that I was referring to that was ruled out of order uh, by the mayor and that was ruled out of order because um, several uh, different attempts similar attempts had been made over the course of the last week uh, after that motion had come into council so that was ruled out of order but rest assured we will continue to make every attempt possible to try to um, uh, remove that uh, climate action levy on green energy because it's actually taxing and putting a levy on green energy, energy that does not emit carbon emissions. And that goes contrary and counter to um, everything I've read in terms of trying to reduce people's carbon footprint is uh, taxing green energy is not the way to go. And that's what this climate action levy or tax that's um, effectively what it's doing. It's taxing electricity bills. Hydroelectric energy in British Columbia is primarily uh, uh, g- uh, carbon-free. It's it's hydro. And so that was ruled out of order, but we will continue to move forward on that. Um, lastly, I, I ended up supporting a, a motion from Councillor Henderson on um, uh, some red light cameras, uh, speed light cameras being put around the city, um, had support of the local um, health authority, I believe, and other uh, folks within, within the community. And it, it was just a, a really smart and good, good motion to be brought forward, and I ended up seconding that motion, and I believe it got unanimous approval. And now uh, that, will too, will be going up um, the chain of command through to uh, the Union of BC municipalities and, and other areas to look at trying to raise this as a bigger, broader issue to allow um, cities to have a bigger say in terms of where those, those cameras are installed and that the revenue generated from that can help to um, improve uh, safety on our roads. So a lot happened in the last council, and I've just rushed through absolutely everything in a short period of time, but just thought I'd provide you with that kind of quick little year-end summary, and I'll, I'll be doing that as the podcasts continue over into 2024 when there's some interesting stuff at council. I'll make sure to bring it up.
1: time 448 to city councilor new westminster is proposing a change to the way members of the metro vancouver board are selected daniel fontaine thinks it's time you elect those board members directly rather than having them appointed says with Vancouver starting the process of getting rid of its park board, it is time to start looking into whether changes to other boards are necessary.
0: We need to look at the way we're governing ourselves. And I'm not saying everything's wrong. We do a lot of really good things at Metro Vancouver, like the sewers and like the waters in some of our regional parks. But there, there is, um, a, 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 when you look at the cost structure at Metro Vancouver and the double digit year over year increases in things like sewer and water, it's literally out of control in terms of the cost.
1: He says the Metro Vancouver Board makes a lot of decisions that impact you, including investments in parks and housing. Fountain's motion to have a referendum question appear on the 2026 municipal ballot passed last night at City Council. And the idea will now be brought to the Mayor's Committee.
0: I'm very pleased on the podcast today to welcome Philip Fitzpatrick. You might recognize that name. You might even recognize his face because he's been around New Westminster uh, the last uh, week or so, uh, touring around. Uh, Philip uh, became quite famous in New Westminster because he appeared on the Price is Right show. Uh, He infamously uh, bid too high on a trip to New Westminster. And long story short, uh, the community of New Westminster found out that He didn't win that trip and uh, was kind of being mocked a bit because uh, the the trip was deemed to be so inexpensive for a trip to New Westminster. So Tourism New Westminster and the community reached out. They they had a campaign to find Philip, found out that Philip's from Arizona, and Philip ended up coming to New Westminster. And I'm very pleased today to uh, have on the podcast Philip. Uh, from the Price is Right, who is back now in Arizona, and I thought it would be fun to kind of talk to him when he got home, so we could kind of look back. So, welcome to the podcast, Philip.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: So, Philip, you're back now in Arizona. You're back in the sunshine. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience in New Westminster and everything. It's probably just a lot so overwhelming as to what just happened to you in the last few weeks. But tell us a little bit about how it all went, in New West.
1: Yeah, this the last three weeks have uh, pretty much been a blur when you think about, you know, a month ago, from today, the show had not aired yet. And so I, you know, I heard of New West, but didn't really know what it was exactly. And then the show aired. And I actually looked up, you know, the hotel and the airfares just to see if it really was that inexpensive. And it was. And so I was very surprised, um, because so many other trips to Western Canada are very expensive. So, um, so then, that was on Tuesday. On Friday, a college friend of mine uh, uh, texted me and said she was contacted. She had taken some pictures off her television when my show was on and posted on her Facebook And with a few you know, and, you know, Dwayne Philip Fitzpatrick or Philip Dwayne Fitzpatrick and stuff. And somebody caught on to that via a search. And uh, so she texted me let me know what was going on. So we spent the rest of the day trying to figure out, who these people were that were trying to contact us and uh it turned out to be a legitimate thing and uh, uh gerardo and i were supposed to have a zoom call on the following monday just so you could see my face they know it was really me because they had a couple fake phillips tried to take advantage of the trip which was bad uh, and then on sunday a reporter called me and uh, she goes is this philip I'm like, maybe. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I get a lot of crank calls. And so I referred her to uh, to Gerardo, and uh, we ended up, the three of us, getting together for an interview. And uh, that's when the whole story started to break. And uh, I had no idea it would snowball into all the things that it snowballed into a couple of weeks after that. No idea. It was simply amazing. And
0: I know, Philip, before you arrived, I got called by the media and they were uh, interviewing me. I was on rock One Hundred One, a very popular radio program. And they were, uh, I accused them of trash talking New Westminster because they were kind of laughing that this guy named Philip, you know, he would have won a trip to new West. And I was on the air and we had a good time. We had a good chuckle. Apparently they weren't trash talking new West, but um, they were very intrigued by the fact that we were looking for you and, and, we eventually did did find you and and brought you to New Westminster. So, what was your impression? I mean, you've you've been to Canada before. You've been to Eastern Canada because you lived, I believe, in Ohio. Yes. And so, you had the opportunity to come to Eastern Canada. Tell us uh, uh, your sense of the difference between Western Canada and New Westminster and and what you saw back east.
1: Well, I'm I'm saying this because I believe it true. I think Western Canada is prettier. Um, I, uh, even though you know Eastern Canada has like the Niagara Falls and some things like that I was really impressed with the beauty of the area of Western Canada that I was in um, I got to see got to see the mountains so it was sunshiny enough one day where I got to see through the clouds uh, so that was that was really nice um, it just uh, it felt like home to me because I, I grew up on water a couple of places I've lived have been on, on a river um, and the, the the town itself, uh, it reminded me of where I live now in Arizona. And uh so it just felt very homey. And then um, as I start talking to more and more people, people just were so proud to have to be from there. And I was very impressed with that. Some people came out on the, on Friday to meet and greet just to tell me that they were so glad that, you know, that we were painting their hometown in such a positive light. And it did and deservedly so. Now, Philip, where are you from in Arizona? Because that's
0: one area that I did that didn't have a chance to ask you that when I met you at uh, at the opening reception.
1: Yeah, I live in Glendale, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. Uh, most people know Glendale from the uh, stadium where the Hockey. Super Bowls play, oh, Bowl, right, right, the right. Fiesta Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl. So I live four miles from a pretty large sports area. There's a huge arena that has a lot of concerts. Um, then the State Farm Stadium, which has large sporting events, large Taylor Swift play two con- two sold out wow. concerts there uh, earlier. So that's, this a pretty, year. that's a pretty that's a pretty big urban area, like Phoenix. I
0: used to have a place down in the the Chandler area there in the community, so I'm, I'm very oh, familiar yeah. with that with that area. I'm, and New Westminster is a small city within a much larger kind of metropolitan area. Right. When you came here, did you get that sense uh, that it was like a smaller city, kind of um, within a big metro area? Did you get that that community feel when you um, when you came?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, and what I I think what I didn't what I didn't feel myself, you know, I learned from the people who expressed it to me. And uh, I said, I just had people who lived in the area would come by and they said something to me either at the meet and greet or at, uh shine bright where I, sh- I showed up to, to hang out for a little while. And um, it was just, it was really nice, you know, just to meet you know, meet people that just want to come out and say, thank you for, you know, being in our little town.
0: Yeah. And I guess a big shout out to the end of the key. I think they hosted you uh, while you yes. were there. You got to stay at the end of the key, <laughs> which is beautiful, right on the river. You did do the shine bright. I know you went to Steel and Oak for uh, a little beer tasting. I yeah. think you went to, piva restaurant for dinner the tourism new westminster just pulled out all the stops for you i I, it was incredible to see the itinerary that they had i was tired just watching what you were doing over
1: the course of those days but it sounded like it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun and i i I tease gerardo that uh my stubbornness and colder coffee got me through uh because i wanted to see everything i wanted to meet all these folks and we did i mean those are just a few of the examples um we also had dinner at uh, el santos uh yes. we also had a uh, a mosaic we built a or created a little mosaic lamp uh one of the uh, mosaic company uh we had a uh uh arrow and arrow uh, lesson mm-hmm. and uh i tease uh jasmine and she i think she was on the hunger games And didn't tell us because <laughs> she was so good at the uh, arrow shooting um we had a chocolate tasting uh, we got to go downtown uh, to Vancouver for uh, for the day and look around some of the sites there. Of course, I had three interviews. We worked around, which, which was sort of fun too. But I think I had an interview with those same folks that you had on the radio, and uh, they were a hoot. We uh, yeah we 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 went round and round, just sort of um uh teased each other about different things. They were yeah, at yeah, the but, end of at the end of it at the end of it they were suggesting I have an OnlyFans page, which I don't know where that came from, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> well I can tell you Willie and, and the team are
0: are fantastic. They're lots of fun um having been on there myself. It's uh, they're a great team. So I'm so pleased that you were so warmly welcomed. Um we all know in New Westminster how great the city is and and the fact that it made that little appearance on the prices rate and turned into something so much bigger, it actually got national international because it was both in the U S and Canada in terms of the media attention. I should note for my listeners, because they may not know who Gerardo is and you and I both know who Gerardo is. He is the head of tourism, new Westminster, very capable fellow. He really captured the essence and the spirit of this and was able to, uh, really uh, promote New Westminster in a way that I haven't seen in in a long time. So kudos to Gerardo for sure for the work that he did and his team at Team at Tourism
1: New West. Yes, definitely. Now, uh, what? The, sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, and I was going. I was going to just say in the little bit of time we have remaining, um, I, I didn't have a chance to tell you this, but we actually have a link because uh, you and I have both been on The Price Is Right. And oh wow! <laughs> I didn't have a chance to tell you that. But years ago, uh, I went with my mom, who was a huge Prices Right fan. She wanted to uh, go. So we went there at three o'clock in the morning, didn't have tickets, stood in line, ended up making it right to contestants row, right beside contestants row. We were the first kind of couple of people sitting beside there. And the couple that we were um, in line with the, pretty much the whole day from Sacramento, he ended up getting selected to go up on stage. And the camera crew that were with Prices Right, for some reason, thought my mom and I were his son and his spouse the the, the camera Philip kept focusing on us you know they were doing the piggy bank game and we were like you know having to give the guest guess the number for the car sadly Philip we gave him the wrong number uh we gave him I know it went and he didn't win and his wife was giving him the right number and we gave him the wrong one and he took our number so um (laughs) uh so that's my price is right uh claim to fame not quite as as famous as you are for the the time you spent but i i i definitely love that show i know my mom used to watch it as a when i was a kid and, and don't have get to watch it as much anymore but it's it's fabulous
1: yeah i just saw enough to tell you how much i wanted to do this interview i'm missing the local broadcaster prices right right now so oh <laughs> my that's goodness del- that's <laughs> dedication dedication <I>, <laughs> Dedication.
0: Absolute dedication <laughs> that I pulled you away from The Price is Right uh, to be able awesome. to uh, to come in. Well, thank you so much, Philip, for for doing this. And thank you for helping to showcase um, everything that New Westminster has to offer. There are lots of uh, uh, reasons to come here. And I love the best line I heard while you were here. And it, it wasn't while we were in the same room together. But I heard some of the media say that you were referring to Vancouver as the
1: suburb of New Westminster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, There's this thing called the internet, and I saw I read the history, you know, and so, and that's really what it is. It just had gotten more publicity over the years, you know, as the, as the larger city. But yeah, I uh, I can I, I joke about the same thing with Glendale, Arizona. You know, yeah. that Phoenix is a suburb of Glendale oh, yeah. Glendale.
0: <laughs> well, well, thank you. And I, my my listeners can't see you because I can see you because we're recording this on Zoom. But I love your. Your, um, your sweatshirt that they gave you. It says, I love New West. You got the little crown there, the the nice uh, button. And you are, uh, uh, without a doubt, uh, the now uh, biggest unofficial ambassador for the city of New Westminster. We will always forever uh, remember <laughs> your visit and thank you for showcasing and continue to promote New West uh, abroad and let everyone know and make sure that, that if they want to book an affordable, fun trip to Western Canada, um, New Westminster is the place to be.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I'm hoping to come back to visit for maybe Pride weekend or something, That's what I was talking with uh with Patrick and uh Kathy about. So I'll see if how that works out.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We have an amazing Pride uh festival, Pride Week. The the there's the Pride Day where the Columbia Street is all closed down. It is typically the weather's quite nice. So we have a nice uh, sunshine, warm kind of Arizona like temperatures uh in the summertime and if you can make it back, you will get a royal city welcome. And no doubt uh, uh you'll be treated as the uh, like I said, the unofficial um uh,
1: tourism ambassador for the city of New Westminster. So you'll be warmly welcomed. Well, I, I am trying to get with the uh the travel uh correspondent, I guess you call him from channel three here locally, and uh about about New West. And so I said it wasn't a cheap trip, it was an inexpensive bargain, you know, and so <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to keep beating on him to try to get up there and see what uh, what he's missing.
0: Well, Philip, once again, thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy. But thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you uh, when you're back here in New Westminster very soon, hopefully next summer. And, uh, and uh, tell all your friends and the folks in Arizona to uh, come on up uh, to beautiful New Westminster. We'd love to host them.
1: Yeah, it's one of the jokes I had. I said, you can come on down. I mean, wait a minute. Come on up. Come on up. Know, to, to Canada.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Philip. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, you
0: too. Now we're going to have a discussion with Alan Diginova. I'm going to bring him on the podcast in a moment. But just a reminder that Alan Diginov is a five-term Vancouver Park Board Commissioner. He's made a huge difference in the community. He helped save uh, Nat Bailey Stadium in Vancouver. He's been an advocate for affordable housing, uh, helping to restore Victory Square, helped to rebuild Sunset Community Center in Vancouver. Uh, His proudest achievement, as he says very clearly, is the uh, opening of Honour House, a temporary home away from home for Canadian Forces personnel, veterans, first responders, and their families who are receiving medical care and treatment in the Metro Vancouver area. So without uh, further ado, let's uh, welcome uh, Alan to the podcast. Very welcome. Uh, I want to welcome to the For the Record podcast today, a very special guest, uh, Alan DiGenova. Alan and I have known each other for a long time, uh, both of us having been involved in in civic politics and Al having been involved in the not-for-profit world having done many things, as you heard, uh, as I just outlined, uh, his uh, very impressive resume. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Alan. Yeah, really nice to see you. So we're going to jump on into it because I I brought you in today to talk about something very special within the community of New Westminster, and that's Honor House. What is Honor House? Because I know a lot of people might have heard about it, but they may not know what Honor House is. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. Yeah, Honor House is a home away from home. To help our Canadian forces,
2: first responders, and/or their families while they're getting treatment in the uh, Greater Vancouver area. And Honor House is here to look after not only our members uh, throughout BC, but through across this uh, country.
0: So Al, uh, what motivated you to get this off the ground? So I mean, these types of projects, when we see them, you know, when they're all completed, they're all like, "Oh, they're beautiful, they're wonderful," you know, they're 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 well operated. But something there's usually a kind of a genesis of all of this. What what started that for you? What, what got Honor House off the ground?
2: Yes, that's so true. Yeah, you're correct on that front, uh, Daniel. Um, Honor House was uh, something um, that uh, became really from a documentary that my wife, Wendy, and I were watching one night called Peace Warrior. And it was about um, a soldier, Captain Trevor Green, who was in Afghanistan at the time. He was a journalist, uh, become full soldier. And he was in a small village out of respect. He took his helmet off uh, when he was with uh, the elders and a very young insurgent came around from behind and planted an axe in Trevor's head, uh, literally splitting it in half. And amazingly, there was a full firefight Um, at that stage. They managed to get him out, not knowing if he survived. Uh, medivac him to Kanderhar, from Kandahar into Germany, got him stabilized. The doctor there... um, reached his wife in uh, Vancouver and told Debbie that um, it did not look good um, that she could get there, but um, he may not survive. Well, she did get there. And at that point he was still um, alive, but he figured that he would probably um, be almost virtually uh, a vegetable in a sense that um, there would be no movement and nothing at all. uh, And she did not want to believe that she stayed with him. And uh, further time uh, there in Germany got him stabilized. And then from there, um, they uh, he was sent into Alberta. And amazingly, um, he started to come around. She was by his side every day talking to him with no response. And over those months, um, Trevor started to come back where he had very little movement within his eyes. But he was a high quad, uh, not by, of course, uh, um, spinal cord, but neurological. And so she believed that there would be hope. And she was um, working uh, as an accountant at PricewaterhouseCoopers. She gave up her job. They had a little girl at that time, too. Her name is Grace. And watching that documentary of where, from there, Trevor came to Vancouver for greater treatment. But unfortunately, there was nowhere. Big strapping guy at six foot five. But um, for anywhere that he could, after GF Strong rehabilitation, that he could actually stay That helped. For accessibility and you're not in gf very long strong and with that um there was a, a a real struggle to find him accommodation as he goes for his very long journey mm. and um that's where we watched that's when my wife was saying you know um you know like Ronald mcdonald which i was very involved with about 42 years ago now um and it was about gee uh, maybe perhaps we should get something up and running uh bring a group together call it honor house in honor of our Canadian armed forces and first responders. Kind of that was a bit of the impetus of how it came together. Uh, Brought a strong board together of charter members uh, that are still involved to this day in some ways as advisors or participating. Um, And so that was the beginning of a long journey of trying to then find and or build to see we have this kind of home away from home where we can help look after our men and women who um, and or their families that struggle. And in this case, with was great severity. And um that was the beginning in a sense of the concept and how to bring that to the next step for Honor House.
0: And I can only imagine the <clears throat> amount of work it took from just that initial concept and that initial idea to actually getting Honor House built. Cause I had a chance to check on your, website and I looked at um, the amount of renovations. I, lit, I think the Otter House, the home is in Queens Park in, in my old neighborhood. And it was stripped down and it was kind of almost like effectively rebuilt. Uh, you would have had to have raised all the funds to do that. So Al, uh, maybe uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what were some of the early challenges once you had that concept and you knew what you wanted to do? What were some of the early challenges you had to overcome? Well, the biggest challenges, Daniel, started at the beginning where I um, once we had
2: a a sort of an advisory board of people that I thought fit really well. And of course, when I say Canadian armed forces are first responders, I mean, I wasn't even a Cub Scout, so I had no idea of any of how that worked. It was my early days of Ronald McDonald house, the BC paraplegic association back when Doug Mowat, who was um, uh, the executive director became an MLA. And I just kind of tossed Doug in and out of the car, you know, from Victoria and back and helping him, um, were helping to make the city of Vancouver more accessible and before he passed away. That was his goal. And he left me with five things. Mm-hmm. And one of those things were uh, to be involved, help make the city more accessible based on my volunteerism with the BC paraplegic association. So I started in Vancouver and the first area, of course, I thought, you know, military and, uh, captain Trevor green with maybe on the Jericho lands, we have our, what we call our PMQs, our private married quarters or BMQs. Um, and, uh, so um, I started to hit, you know, my industry that I knew best in the architectural and development world. And um, I went to Walter Frankel, who's an architect. I said, his country needs you. And he laughs a bit, what does that mean now? So well, I'm not sure myself, but uh, <laughs> all I know is we need to come up with some concept ideas of similar to like a Ronald McDonald house, perhaps, but to help our men and women in uniform. Because I said, Walter, they give unconditionally day in and day out, 365 to 24 seven. But when it's time that they really need help, even through their own agencies, police, fire, uh, ambulance, uh, even our Canadian Armed Forces really don't have, from what I've learned, a resource for them to get help. They're always helping everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so he said, sure, I'll be happy. What size, what where? So I kind of started off with a model of similar to honor uh, our, um uh House, we bit a big home, mm-hmm. uh, fully accessible like we did there. My involvement there in the early days was helping to build uh, and, and do stuff because everyone thought, mcdonald's just wrote a big check and it appeared and that mm-hmm. wasn't the case mm-hmm. uh, McHappy day was their biggest way of supporting and the rest we had to fundraise and bring together so i kind of worked with that a wee bit and our board that we kind of brought together became chartered and brought uh, at the beginning and um that being said um uh walter did some drawings of course then i approached not so much D, but the city as to make sure that the zoning worked and at that time uh, the city planner was Larry Beasley, and uh, he said, you know, Al, that's a great idea, you have, but it's not going to fit within these lands. So discouraging after all the work that Walter had done, but I knew that I could take that and move somewhere else. So the next location as after hunting and hunting and being mindful, you know, you, not that I thought D&D lands would be for free, but maybe a long-term lease, and uh, being concerned that When I think lease in my world, it was that there could be always an end date. Nothing's for sure when you don't own. But I was anxious to get going seeing Trevor's condition. And he definitely needed somewhere for a long-term stay for everything from uh, showering, uh, the whole uh, facilities of getting men out of bed, being a high quad. He had to have a lift, all of those things. And I was aware of all those during my BC paraplegic day. So I knew the challenge just for him, but for others were also there. So that being said, um, uh, I went to another location after hunting different sites and the other one was on 15th and Laurel, right near, uh, VGH hospital, Vancouver Mm -hmm. general hospital. And, um, again, thinking proximity for many of his treatments. So I looked at that home, it was available for sale, but, um, uh, when I took that, it was on a fifty-one 20 foot lot, kind of a little bit smaller than uh, the other house I was familiar with and smaller than the D&D lands. So I went back to the director of planning and some of the staff and they said, again, zoning would allow community would not want to see the style of house in the community um, because of what it may bring to the neighborhood, which was quite surprising. Um so I was pretty discouraged uh, after that second round and they showing up on site. And so when I just left there, I remember very clearly hitting northbound um, down Laurel, getting ready to make a left-hand turn roughly near 12th there. And just at the stop sign, I remember it to this day, I get this phone call. Hello, is this Aldi Genova? And I said, yes. Well, my name is Mayor Wainwright and I'm the mayor of New Westminster. Didn't even know who that was, okay. Um, and he said, I hear you're looking to find some place to Build this house called whatever honor house. It was almost whatever honor house. And well, I would like to let you know you don't need to look any further. New Westminster wants to have this kind of house. And I have a location. I said, Well, isn't that wonderful? My goodness. You know, if the mayor's calling and he's all on board, (laughs) sounding great. So I call up my very good pal, Michael Flanagan, who was the director of real estate services at the time with the uh, city of Vancouver. I said, Mike, he was part of one of the advisors with our, our advisory board that we kind of were pulling together. I says, apparently this wonderful house, we gotta go. So we he, I pick him up at City Hall. We drive out to New Westminster to this address um, at 509 St. George Street. There was one other little house in Sapperton area was built, really, it was just a tiny little old, but the mayor discussed it a bit when we were out the front at 509 saying, there was this one here, but it was tiny. You'd have to build a whole new place. And um, it was right near the hospital, which he was thinking was important. Mm-hmm. But really, this home is for sale. The other wasn't, but he knew the owner and there's an opportunity. I thought, wonderful. So we, we there we are out front. It was massive home uh, on 132 by 132 foot site. At the time, it was about a uh, 9,000-square-foot home, so pretty massive home. And, um, and then from there, um, I had the, the realtor arrived at the house to let us have a view. But he said, before we go in, his name was Dave Valet, great fellow. He yes, said, I, I know Dave, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I have to let you know that we have an offer on this home, and it's actually been accepted. Um, but the mayor asked me to show you, and so here I am. And then Wayne was about there that time, and then had to leave. And I said, "No problem, thank you, Mr. Mayor. It Was good to see you." So Dave gets us into the home. We have a look. Mike and I come out. It's perfect. Dave mm-hmm. so says, "Well, I told you we do have an accepted offer, but it is at the counter stage." I said, "Okay." Um, who has what? He says, "Well, actually, the buyers from New Westminster have come back over an oil tank concern in the ground uh, from environmental." And, um, so they counter back to the owner to, um, validate that he would remove and remediate if there's a problem. So I said, oh, so it hasn't actually been accepted. He said, well, no, but it's, it's a technicality that we believe will overcome. So I said, okay, thanks. Um, uh. So Mike and I talked about this and, uh, and he said, let's just see what, how we can do or what we can buy the time. He said, so I don't mind to tell you, this is at the price. I'm going by a bit of memory, but it was around just under $2.5 million, big nut for its mm. day. I'm going yes. back to 14 <laughs> years now. And uh, big value, but it was almost three legal lots, basically, if it had to go through. Not, not that what's what Queen's Park wanted, but it, it sat on a lot, a large piece of land. And both homes were heritage homes, fully restored in a nice shape. So I knew we had some of that to overcome too, because the home that was there, Daniel, was kind of a halfway house. And the neighbors didn't want it, were uh, uh, really concerned uh, as to who was going to come in on the next round because of Mm -hmm. the issues it had. Mm -hmm. So um, I said to, uh, to, uh, Dave Valley, the realtor. I said, okay. So um, he says, we're just waiting to hear from Mr. Alan who's the owner, because I pulled the title and, and I had the listing there after I, I pulled that up. And I said, okay. I said, so in a sense, if um, we're at this stage at the counter, I know I'm allowed to submit another offer and it's up to the seller. So he has to present all offers. So I said, I will be presenting an offer. He said, well, unless the offer is exactly the same or better and you can assure that you can close very quickly because this was a very clean deal and it will close within 60 days I said okay that's not a problem whatsoever it was for us of course but i'm gonna let that on so he said okay um uh we went to our car and um i put my terms down of what we were going to do and i knew this might happen and i in in those days i carried my contracts with us a little different today And so prepared the offer. And I said, okay, I have our offer ready here. And he said, okay. So um, he then reached uh, the uh, seller and uh, told the seller um, by phone, there was another offer. He was frustrated because he said, well, I can deal with this tank. Like, why would I need to do another? He says, well, I have to present this offer. So he said, okay, let me think about it for a bit. So Dave said, all he can do is think about it. He may or may not accept it. So he said, I'll let you know within the hour. I thought, oh, okay, great. So Mike and I go back to the car, Dave leaves. Um, So I thought, what can I do? What can I do? Mr. Alandina, okay, look, his background, his is Okay, great. And um, so that was important for me to know on the seller's side. So I called my pal Farouk Virgi, um, who was a very strong liberal, but more importantly, uh, sat on the Aga Khan's Council for Canada. Hmm. So I called Farouk up, got him on the phone with this great accent. And I said, Farouk, first word, your country needs you. He says, oh, Al, with the accent. I said, He says, what do you have? I said, I told him this. I said, I need you to reach the Aga Khan, to get the Aga Khan to reach the seller, to tell him to hold off. (laughs) The pause in the phone for a moment. I told him how important this was. His whole liberal thing, la, la, la. I spent about five minutes. He said, okay, I'll do it. So fast forwarding. Um, less than an hour, he reaches the Yaga Khan. The Yaga Khan calls Mr. Alandina and told him that he has to look at our offer for all these reasons. So I, not knowing all of this, I get a call from Mr. Alandina through the agent and the agent says, I don't know who, uh, you know, really who you are, but, um, my client says if I can reach his God, he needs to to, he has to meet us. That was almost what he said. The shock was uh, when my God calls me, uh, we we have to meet. So I said, great, thank you very much, Dave. I'm sorry to throw this kink in the deal. Uh, I'm here as an agent, not taking a fee or anything. So I know your end, it's all about the realtor and his fee. Right. So I'm here not looking for a fee. You're getting both ends in those days you were allowed to do that. And I said, I'm here as a nonprofit society. So Mike and I go home quickly, get all cleaned up, put our suits on, and I meet Mr. Alan Dean and his wife at my office at Broadway and Granville. And he sits down, puzzled when he meets us. Mike is extremely very good at this part of it all and explains about how important it is, what it means, what we're going to do. And he was very good about it. But at the same time, as much as he loves his God, perhaps, and everything, they're all about money at the end of the day. I guess he gives us 10 or 15% to the Aga Khan and whatever. So um, he was he wanted to know primarily if, if we, he does this deal with us because he has an obligation uh, to the other con that um if we do this deal, we can close because the other deal was clean. It was all over just the oil tank. And I said, mm. absolutely, Mike. And I looked absolutely. So uh, he then accepted our document for the contract, signed it. And um we didn't even have a condition. We only had third, uh, 60 days to close, no, no. condition, no. Uh, except that he warranted the oil tank would be remediated and removed like the other group. And I said, fine. And we put that into the contract right there. And uh very difficult because when he left, basically with closing costs and everything, we just got incorporated, just set up. We didn't have a dime in the bank. Never mind two and a half million plus closing and everything. So Mike said, Leave it with me. Let's write a business plan. He said, I have an idea. So he wrote up this business plan. And at that time, he submitted it to uh the Minister of Housing, Rich Coleman. And uh, because of the relationship with the city and housing and uh, Mr. Coleman at the time, really fast forwarding, Mr. Coleman funded us in 10 days. Wow. Um, now, Mr. Coleman was uh, also uh, an RCMP officer. He was. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Yep. He, uh, his son is was in Afghanistan and in the mm-hmm. Canadian Armed Forces for, at that time, roughly uh, 12 or so years. Mm-hmm so understood the background and the need and and the high need for this and um he said we can make this work and uh, took a lot of legal paperwork to get it going quickly but he managed to do it fast forwarding uh 60 days later we closed on this house that we had
0: it was that uh, that is a fascinating story alan i, I that, first of all i I, di- I didn't know it i bet you a lot of our, our listeners did not know it and it definitely highlights uh, many of those early challenges you faced. Just even in finding and acquiring a property, I didn't know you had tried to do it in Vancouver first, and then coming here. And well, they say three times lucky, right? It was your it's third, three times, yeah. <laughs> your third yeah, time. Once. And I will, I will say um, a, a shameless plug for former Mayor Wayne Wright, who's my neighbor here in the Keyside district. Uh, Wayne, that's just so Wayne that that we he was such a. A go-getter kind of a mayor. Uh, he wanted to get things done. He had a vision for the city. Um, you know, he really saw the big picture, and he could see, I'm sure, where uh, Honor House fit within the larger, broader community. And that, when you when you said it was Wayne Wright, I thought it's it that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, we didn't conform. Of course, zoning didn't allow. Here we go, zero, and then of course the neighborhood was absolutely worried that we were going to have all this kind of stuff so i quickly uh circulated the neighborhood with one of the other board members that i call it that it was very loose at the time uh went with me from home to home in queens park right around where the house was located with nervousness but assuring from uh the mayor not even all council at that point and um and that staff because i quickly had a chance to meet with staff with uh with uh, Wayne at that time, I, his name almost comes with me. It's like Paul or somebody. It was, um, but at the time, the city manager. and Paul um, Dominato, I think it was. Paul Dominato, yes. Yep. And then the city planner at the time. And, uh, and he basically gave instructions that this was going to be important. It was looking after the police, their fire, their paramedic for BC, but for mm-hmm. their city and for the greater good. And he always had very unique language in how he did it and very committed, not knowing this fellow at all. Right. This all happened in days now uh, leading up because something was
0: coming off. Yeah. And I think that 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 is puts testimony or is is testimony to when you have that strong political leadership, that vision that the public service are aligned with your political uh, folks. You know, things can happen and they can happen absolutely really quickly.
2: And I laugh a little bit on this, Dan, because you look in Vancouver and other municipalities, what takes so long. And the ironic part, 14 years ago, this was about Tuesday, got to all the neighbors, knocked on their doors, called ahead, ran everything, did what we could. They met with, many of us met with us with hesitation, but they did. And they came around pretty good in a very short time. So then, and it was important to do that before the council on the following Monday, and so we then submitted in for a uh, tax amendment to the zoning, like basically a rezoning tax amendment on Friday for council on Monday. Monday, yeah. And uh, it went through, got approved. And the joke was from the mayor, I'm sorry it took so long. To get your rezoning through. But there was a weekend in between. Oh, my god. always remember that. That, that, is, that is hilarious. And, uh, and, I, and I, from I, there... It just moved very quickly and to the point where staff, engineering, planning, uh, inspection said, just carry on, keep going, and uh, I'm really fast forwarding and we'll catch up with the permitting process. And uh, um, we then held a uh, gala because the home was uh, very, very tired. We knew that we had to expand and bring it right up. Mm -hmm. um scott construction stepped up at the time as walter frankel wrote and did all the stuff that we were necessary then there was a fellow who um was retired by the name of don vandervoort and he was the president just past president of the vancouver regional construction association Mm. and um they said listen uh we know exactly on the military how important this is don said and now we are going to help you barn raise and fundraise to get this house completely redone. Yeah. So they did that. Scott Construction stepped up as the general contractor. Walter Franco, architect, you name it—window, siding, roofing—everybody came together in no time flat. Either donated or cash in lieu or whatever. And it was at the tune of about one at that time, just under $1.3 million to get us going. Remember right now we had a forgivable loan from the province, uh, interest-free over a period of five years and figure it out. So we had to pay that money back, but that's what got it started quickly as an interest-free um, non-bearing loan. Mm. So, And then the VRCA stepped up. I was going to breakfast meetings almost every other day between six and seven with their various uh, industry leaders. So for the electrical, they had their breakfast meetings. I'd go to those with Dawn and they said, we're in, we're in, we're in. And that's got us started. And um, then the home started to come together very quickly. Elevator through the BCE Construction Association. And we got various little plaques throughout the house. of who contributed what? So full elevator added another floor. Kept, uh, oh, architects. Rob Lemon was an architect from the city of Vancouver, heritage planner, and he vetted his time in at no cost. Uh, there was a, a, a heritage architect out in New Westminster or something. His name was Patterson, Mr. Patterson. I'm going by memory. He jumped in. Everybody, Daniel, came mm. full on, gave unconditionally. And in less than 20 months, That home was ready almost for opening day. Now, we didn't have the back of the house on quite, but the whole front felt good. The wind was blowing through. We had Trevor come to stay, and that was our grand opening on the street. The street was lined all the way down. Military police, everyone marched. Street was packed, and uh, that host opened. Now, there was a bit of a challenge in between of me going to a Canucks game in the early, early days uh, by General Hillier because I wanted to do this, so I really fast-forwarded. And it was about a challenge from General Hilliard that uh, when I was at a Canucks game and I had all our soldiers back from Afghanistan that struggled and he challenged me to do this. And I said, General Hilliard, not knowing the general, never in the army. I said, well, you don't challenge an Italian. I will take your challenge on. And then that's <laughs> where we started to hunt for the house. But uh, for your listeners, I didn't want to go on too long, but it was about a challenge. And on that day at 509 St. George Street in New Westminster, uh, I held that challenge coin up which he challenged me with this coin, it's a a military or first responder thing. And I held that coin up and I said, General Hillier, I met your challenge.
0: And that coin hangs in the home today. So what a a wonderful, wonderful story. We're running short on time. So I I just want to get a couple quick uh, questions into you and and also make sure that people who are listening to this um, know how to help support um, Honor House. But um New Westminster, I, I noticed on your website, there's a lot of first responders, a lot of fire uh, police. I, I see them visually on your website. So um, from a local perspective, uh, how much involvement do you have with, with New West Fire and, and police and other first responders?
2: Come to the JI and part of uh, them getting their approvals and that uh, they volunteer. So our volunteers were 100% driven by volunteers. We have a one and a half Uh, time paid staff right now so our dollar stretches to about $1.52 and uh, for the last 14 years now almost 14,000 night stays uh, at Honor House so huge the home is being well used and I'm glad it's sad but at the same time good it's the need is high means there's a lot of help needed but at the same time they can stay at Honor House for as long as they want at no cost. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, thanks to all our volunteers, anywhere from about 70 to 81 volunteers. It fluctuates and people get volunteer fatigue. Rob Bryson is our longest serving volunteer. He came out of uh, the sheriff's department over 30 years. He's there every day, washing, folding Uh, cleaning of the house along with all our volunteers. But New West helped us in the early days and made our blinds. One of them had a little side business, made our blinds for the homes. They're there to help out our Christmas lights and on their stuff. U.S. Minster Police Department have gone above and beyond always, even up to most recently where they introduced us when Lowe's closed. Um, And they got us close to $100,000 of free merchandise, which went to Honor Ranch to help us build more housing there because honor ranch is uh where we have honor house as a home away from home while you get treatment in the greater vancouver area honor ranch gives that treatment in Ashcroft,
0: mm. just up on the bench yeah i was going to ask um, you about that so thanks for mentioning that yeah i wanted to 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 talk about honor ranch as well
2: yeah there uh, just a little note before i come into the next step is uh We found through Honor House over our years, uh, many of them are suffering from post-traumatic stress, occupational stress, including New West uh, Fire, Police, and the Provincial Services of Ambulance, paramedics, high stress levels. And um, that being that they deserve to get the treatment they need, one-size Daniel does not fit all I've learned. So where Honor Ranch comes in is tailored to help work for the individual. As much as sometimes just be there on 120 acres with 10 beautiful cottages in the Maiden Lodge, just up on the bench uh, outside Ashcroft, three hours from Vancouver, three and a bit,
0: 45 I, my minutes. My wife's from Ashcroft. I love Ashcroft. It's beautiful. She? Wow. <laughs> that is very exciting to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your family still there? Uh, no, I think most of her family's all moved away, but uh, we we do the annual pilgrimage to Ashcroft pretty much every year to go. And <laughs> go. Wow. So, yeah. Well, we're right next door to the Sundance Ranch. Yes.
2: Uh, yeah. Which people will know. We sit on 120 acres and it's really helped transform lives and i have to say daniel saved many many lives and the ranch will save hundreds and hundreds of lives that's a fact but on our house i have to say we're driven only by donations we don't depend on any government support it was kind of uh, rich coleman how he helped us with that we have a fundraiser about every two years Okay. Uh, which raises a substantial amount of money. And uh, that's what keeps our doors open and keeps everything running. And uh, between our gala dinner and people sending in those $20, $50, all of that amounts over a year. Ambulance paramedics uh, have memberships, and that membership of $20 helps us. And we stretch, like I said, every dollar to almost a okay. dollar fifty-two. And then hence how we kept our lights on, our doors open, and looked after our men and women in uniform.
0: Aldi Genova, thank you so much for joining me on For the Record today and for giving me a really interesting and frontline perspective in terms of Honor House and the work you're doing there, as well as Honor Ranch. uh, like you said, it's out in Ashcroft and doing some amazing work. And and just thank you personally for all the time and, and effort. I mean, I I don't think people fully appreciate or understand the amount of work it takes to get a project like this, not only off the ground, but to keep it sustainable and to keep it in the community and to to make it be such an important part of um, of the lives of our first responders and their families who are benefiting from it. So thank you so much for everything you've done. Thank you, Daniel. And to your
2: listeners, um, Honor House is part of your community in New Westminster. If you're going for a walk, stop at the door, knock, come in for a coffee. So often there'll be families there. Just say hello. Thank you for your service. Uh, They like to see people coming and going a bit because some days can be very long when their loved one's at hospital Mm -hmm. and the days can be tough. So, I mean, Honor House is part of your community, sir. We're here to look after your people in your community. So if any folks are going by... Knock on the door, come in, have a little hello, see the house, have a tour. And uh,
0: we're here for you and your members in your community. What a wonderful invitation. And on that note, thank you so much, Alan. You have a Merry Christmas and hopefully you have a little bit of time for a break and uh, a very Happy New Year. Thanks so kindly, Daniel. I appreciate having me on today. Thanks again for being on the the program. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye now. And just like that, we wrap up the podcast and we wrap up the year. Yes, that's the last podcast that I'm going to be doing for 2023, but thank you so much for listening um, to the uh, previous episodes as well as this one. There's going to be more to come in 2024. I plan to do as many podcasts as I can covering city politics, some interesting uh, characters, personalities, uh, people throughout the city. Uh, have the opportunity to talk with them as well on the podcast and and bring um, some important information out there throughout the city of New Westminster. So on that note, have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I hope you will be uh, tuning back in here again uh, next year in 2024. You've been listening to For the Record. I'm Daniel Fontaine. All the best.